Good evening, everyone. We are back for another session of our HR Learning podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Fahad Kalaf. Fahad? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode. Welcome. Another episode this week, and uh, it's uh, a topic that's been, I think, on a lot of people's radar in the past few months, but I see it, I don't know about you, Fahad, but I just see it referenced but not a lot of people are actually going into the discussion. What do you, what's your sense of what, what you see in your ecosystem? Uh, I personally see it from a two perspective. One is an ego. People don't want to mm. open up in terms of mentioning what's really going on with them. Uh, the second mm. thing is because being conservative uh, in terms of mm. they, they think it's too personal. They don't want to share it up. And, and that all depends on the personality character, even in the society itself. Is the society uh, conservative or not? So uh, I don't want to really talk about a lot because I know we do have an expert, not an expert, someone who will really give us a great experience and insight of this one. So it's over to you, Brad. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned our topic yet. And we're going to be talking about mental health. But before we get into that, Fahad, why don't we take a short break? Yeah, let's go. Wow. I learned a lot as a mentor say make us think um that they said it was rather than because you're in the webinars that that way you spread what's really interesting we started this program the tagline for this was so we're back everyone and we have a very special guest today some of you may uh have met our guest in our hr learning version one session earlier this year we're joined by professor lisbeth klaus joining us from Oregon in the United States. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, nice to see all of you again. Yeah, well, and, and uh, this is our podcast. So we're, we're less structured than our learning session and we try to keep it more of an open dialogue, but we, we do want to cover or introduce or allude to some of the topics that we'll be discussing or you'll be presenting on Tuesday. Um, but we, again, this is really sort of a, a pre-show introduction. We don't really have a script or anything that we plan in advance. But as I said before the break, I've seen a lot of people in social media, online, different forums, LinkedIn, talking about mental health. And what I see is the reference to it and then nothing else. It's just kind of like one of those boxes we should, you know, be aware of, we should be thinking about these types of things. And Fahad and I were having a discussion, I think last week or the week before, a shared mutual discussion looking at our, our LinkedIn profiles, for example, how different people are acting online in different ways that they didn't behave before. And some people are rising to the occasion, but some people are, you remember, Fahad, we had that discussion? Yeah, yeah I remember. And, and, and it seems to start to increase somehow. In a different, I think so uh, too. Yeah, and, and I feel they are starting to be, being more innovative in, in mental distractness. Uh, I, I don't know, from the post that you can understand, from the, th- the sharing of thoughts, uh, even from what are they mentioning in their profile. So I feel there is instability when it comes to uh, professionals and, and it started to impact them in the outside uh, environment also. So uh, yeah, I, I really noticed it started to increase more and more. Yeah, and it's a huge topic, uh, you know, it, mental health. And I'll be the first one to say that, you know, the three of us are not uh, by any means mental health 
experts, licensed professional in the field, uh, so to speak. So, you know, we are expressing in some way our observations, but also our professional opinions in this area because we do work in the people uh, domain. And so, Elizabeth, I think before we started recording, we were sort of talking about how we're in a very unique point in history, the sort of COVID effect in the work environment, the workplace, and, and it's having a different impact on people in different ways. It's having different impact on people demographically, generationally, to a certain degree, perhaps even culturally. So maybe with just that introduction, I'll, I'll hand it over to you to give your initial thoughts on the topic. Yeah, I, I want to reemphasize that I am not an expert. We are not experts on this, on mm -hmm. mental health. However, I've had an interest in the topic for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I follow a lot of data and in the workplace. And I was always thinking, why are we not seeing anything on mental health in the workplace? Yeah. Uh, there is really scant literature on it. And so as, a, as an academic researcher, as a global HR person, I was always interested is what, you know, what's the role of HR in this, what I call a mental health crisis. And the crisis really um, has been maybe the silver lining of the COVID is that the crisis is being um, become more transparent because obviously uh, the causes of, of mental illness are both genetic and are exacerbated by environmental stress. And so the stress, right. COVID effect, the high anxiety and stress that people are having today with COVID. Uh, just think about the lockdown, the lack of physical hugging, um, the essential workers who have to be on the front line, uh, this mandatory work from home, et cetera, et cetera, has brought a lot of isolation and fear. And so um, how, how are we in HR when, when we see red flags in the workplace, it's a lot easier, but you know, we may not, these flags may not be visible when people are working from home. And can I, can I, and I'm not trying to interrupt, but I, what would, the role of HR in this type of circumstance? Because, you know, one of the things that I was taught early on in my career is that for certain things in the workplace, you know, HR can be very proactive, but then other things from a legal point of view or a professional point of view, and I would put sort of mental health in that, HR is not an expert and that these types of issues should either be, and I'm just trying to recall from my own history, avoid it, and or you need to direct the people to the people who are experts. So how would you describe without sort of making any universal generalizations, but how would you describe the role of HR in the times we're in as it relates to mental health in the workplace? Well, the role of HR is the same as the role in any other things they're doing. It's to look at their customers and to satisfy their customers. So HR has mm -hmm. multiple customers. They have mm -hmm. at least three that are very important. The worker, the employee themselves, the managers, mm -hmm. and then the organization. And mental health has an impact on all of these. Uh, obviously, the person who is having uh, issues with their well-being uh, will be disengaged, will be less productive eventually. It's not that they're poor performers, but there will be some kind of a, a red flag here that their performance is not what, what, 
what you want it to be. The managers now, uh, especially with work from home, we've seen that the managers doesn't have that close relationship that they used to have right. face to face. And so um, we are seeing all kinds of new ways of managing and leading. And these new ways have a lot to do uh, with kindness. Um, they have a lot to do with um, more transparency, have, being able to say, are you okay? So it has a lot to do with that. And then finally, uh, the organization, HR itself, um, benefits that are provided for taking care of mental health is very important. But I would say that the most important thing um, falls really within three buckets. Mm. Um, we are trying to prevent prevention is always better than curing correct so can we increase the awareness uh, of the organization of all these customers in the organization uh, kind of before the whole wellness conversation that we had this conversation went on before COVID by the way it's just now okay. that we are, we are more aware of it the second thing is that what do you do when you really do have someone uh, who has um, um, from minor on the spectrum from minor to severe form of mental illness? What do you do uh, when there is a crisis situation? What intervention uh, do you, your manager, your organization have for this person? And then finally, how can we support everyone again to support with a variety of tools. And so in my presentation, I will, I will go into the stigma of mental illness, awareness, being able to have some literacy to talk about issues. Um, I will go into specific interventions um, that best leading practices of organizations that really see mental, mental health as a diversity issue because the, mm. it's a cognitive state as well and a behavioral state. So we are all different. We're all somewhere on that spectrum. And then thirdly, all kinds of support that you can provide as a company. And I think HR needs to spearhead that. I think they have, they have a real role. And they need to maintain that detached concern. We are not there to you know, be the goody two-shoe, open up for everyone who has problems and comes to us. Well, I, do, I, I am proud of our profession of HR over the past 20, 30 years in this, in this topic because you know, back in the day, in the original definitions of health and disability, it was so biased and skewed towards physical, something you could see. And I think one thing I'm proud of is that for the most part, what I would call HR professionals, they understand that there's really very little distinction, if you will, between the mental and physical part of it. It's, we're one being. Yes, you can talk in an abstract way about the physical and mental parts of it. But if anything, and I don't know if this is how you meant to use the word, on the mental wellness and the mental health part of things, there's much more diversity of, of issues than, say, physical. You know, physical is, is a very limited set of, of visible, measurable parameters. But when you get into the mental side of things, there's much deeper three-dimensional issues and cycles of behavior and, and things that come into play. Is that fair to say? Well, Brad, I also want to add it just, you know, we mm. shouldn't have the also re-stigmatize what mental illness is really about because mm -hmm. 
you may have a variety of things that happens in your life. I mean, if you would measure how do you feel today, today you might feel mm -hmm. great. And, and maybe yesterday you felt kind of fair. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and that has a lot to do with things that happen in your life. You may have financial issues. You so may true. have a divorce. You may have kids at home while you're trying to Zoom. You may have you know, all things that, that, are, that are adding stressors. And obviously, our workplace has become a very stress-oriented workplace. We know that under COVID, people are on the average working one hour longer than they used to work. You know, they're kind of turning their commute into, into a working life. The other thing I want to mention is that we are more and more seeing, uh, and this is, I think, part of the COVID effect as well, we are seeing the burden of the companies, the burden of the employer regarding the wellness, the personal wellness of the employee due to all kinds of pressures, not only mental, but also financial, work from home, et cetera. And although this was a trend before COVID, um, you know, it has been accelerated now. And where the company uh, used to deliver their outcomes, I mean, I'm talking about their ROIs and their revenues and their sales through efficient, lean, bottom line, you know, uh, optimizing their resources. What we are seeing now is that we still need to deliver those outcomes, but maybe we can deliver it with more flexibility and agility. And, and I think this is where the whole wellness conversation comes about. Oh, right. fair. I, th I think I have something uh, just to jump in here. Um, I, while while uh, Elizabeth was talking about something, I remember something about during, before COVID, everyone was suffering uh, stress, not because of load of work, but majority of them, they're suffering uh, stress and anxiety because of politics. The internal mm -hmm. politics within within the mm -hmm. and i think right now uh, politics has been uh, i don't want to say it's been moved out but there is a new form of anxiety and stressful which is a load of work that's what that's what i feel or this is what i noticed within this region is uh, and they lack time management and they lack load lo sorry workload management mm -hmm. so i think Anxiety will always be there uh, and, and stress will always be there if it's from a family perspective or even from a work perspective or either, even from a business or entrepreneurial uh, journey itself. But here's, here's my, my, my question that I just want to have your thoughts is how do we tackle the mental stress or the mental issues at least? Before we talk even about the mental issues, Fahad, I want to I want to tell you that in 1908, um, um, two physicians talked about the Yerkes Dotson curve, and the Yerkes Dotson curve talks about that we do need a certain amount of stress to be productive. Right? If we have no stress, we're not going to be productive at all. So it's a it's an inverted U curve. All right, but there is that inflection point when we have too much stress. So stress and product productivity or the two variables, when we have too much stress at that inflection point, our productivity is decreasing. And I think
seeing that companies um, are starting to pay attention, especially high performance companies that have really, you know, demanded a lot of productivity. And we can't always blame uh, the people for lack of time management skills, lack of, you know, all kinds of well-being. But they they have learned that if if they if the manager themselves can help their their team members when they see the red flags of needing that inflection point. And that's all great. Other stresses that we have is toxic managers in the workplace. So being an awesome mm-hmm. manager is really great for your mental health as well, right? Because that's an extra, an extra stress that comes out there. And maybe one more thing that I would like to add is that we're talking a lot of mental, about mental health as if the only cause was an environmental cause, right? Um, mental health is a genetic condition. Mental illness is for the most part a genetic condition, especially when you're farther down the severity of the illness. It's a genetic condition that usually starts in adulthood. I mean, we have a variety of, of mental illnesses that start when people are in their 20s and 30s. And so it gets exacerbated by all these environmental stresses and factors. And um, not everybody who has anxiety is necessarily mentally ill, right? So they may be at the beginning of the spectrum where they haven't learned to cope with some of their anxieties. And, And if we come back to this idea of what is the role of HR, I mean, you we sometimes joke that people fall into HR because they're not good with numbers or, you know, they, they self diagnose themselves as being good with people. I mean, I think this, what we're describing is another challenge to HR professionals to, to rise to the occasion. And Elizabeth, do you have any guidance on, on how people in HR, if they want to do better in this role, um, can can improve themselves or you know what is the comparable sort of emotional intelligent um career pathing for this two things i would say the first one is that um i'm i'm a, a pretty um fairly good researcher and it took me three years to learn about this and read about this because there was nothing available outside of the psychiatric literature (laughs) so i didn't see that topic in in the uh, body of knowledge of hr right i didn't see a lot of examples of companies that were doing the right thing so um um in my in my um, upcoming webinar, I have tried to um, look at resources that are available there to increase your awareness and to learn about it. Right? I think that's really important. You know, you, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's something. The second thing that I say, the steps that you can take now is uh, to take care of yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah. People uh, must take care of themselves, disconnect for a while, um, you know, fight the stigma, develop support networks. I mean, it's kind of like put on your mask first, right? And then. Well, and I love that. I love that example because a good friend of mine once once told me he was he was he was in a plane with his daughter, young daughter. She probably was maybe you know six or seven at the time, and they're watching the video, and the daughter got into an argument with him. No, no, daddy, we're not doing it that way. You, you look after me first. <laughs> and, and, you know, and the, the, it, it, 
it is very counterintuitive in many ways. And a lot of people who are very passionate about HR are, and again, I, maybe it's too strong of a word, they have a sort of a, an altruistic um, vein to them that can actually, you know, if you're not strong, if you're not in a position to help others, uh, you know, that, that weakens your ability. So you have to start with yourself. Is that fair? So, yeah, you start with yourself and obviously it's, it's fairly simple. It's what Deepak Chopra calls like the, the five things you want to do. You want to eat well, sleep well, exercise well, have friends. You know I mean? It's, it's very, very, it's simple, but not that, not that easy to do, right? Um, no. So it's certain behaviors. But I think then once you become more aware of what the role of HR has been in some leading companies that have really viewed uh, mental health as as a priority among other priorities. We have so many priorities, but it is really, um, the ROI is really there. Then they can look within their companies, how they can impact the managers, how they can impact their policies. And that might be different from company to company. They can identify vulnerable positions within their organizations. Uh, we have enough data to know that some jobs are vulnerable positions, especially people like our first responders that are working sure. with you know, other people or people that are working with disadvantaged people or all the NGOs, you know, people that are trying to repair the world, so-called, you know, those are very vulnerable positions for the burnout. Burnout is, is another great uh, signal that we have there, obviously, that reduces productivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and I, I think that's something that we, you know, we haven't really sort of and these are unprecedented for, you know, for uh, the times that we're living in and the challenges that we're going through. But um, there's, I've had discussions with people before in this region about something that may be fairly common in North America and other, other um, parts of the world. Uh, EAPs, employee assistance programs. Um, that terminology is almost... Uh, unknown in this part of the world where, where I'm working right now. What do you, and, and maybe it's not a fair question, but do you see a relationship between HR and the broader community of support networks like ERP How or EAP? Well, How is that evolving? I, I think the, the EAP is, is a great entry level um, mm support, you know, employee assistance program, you have some issues that bring you anxiety, whether they're work related or family related, because the work, work life, work and life are being blended. And so that's a great yeah. thing. But it's probably not sufficient. I'm also mm. a big proponent of what I call employee resource groups. Oh, people call yes, you know. yes, yes. Yeah. And so we are now seeing employee resource groups uh, on mental health uh, emerging for a variety of different conditions. We're seeing ERG groups for people who are on the autism spectrum. We're seeing ERG groups for professionals, right, that are in vulnerable positions so that they can kind of, you know, know that they're not alone in this, right, that they're not being stigmatized. That, of course, it has lots of issues. Is privacy issues. It's got, got lots of legal issues. And that's why I think HR has been a little bit reluctant to really step in because, um, because of all those issues. I mean, one of the podcasts that I really liked in the Harvard Business Review is about how do you set up an, an employee resource groups for mental health, for wellness. 
Yeah, I'm actually in compliment to that. I think the artificial intelligence world is, is they're going to converge on this space in, in the sense that when you talk about creativity and innovation, it's fairly well known that a lot of people who are in these positions struggle with mental health issues. And, and yep. you know, some of the most creative people in human history do not fit the bell curve. And yep. when we as societies are trying to optimize uh, innovation and, you know, sort of unprecedented developments in our communities is sort of being able to manage neurodiversity of the workforce, you know, as a, a diversity and inclusion sort of, no one really talks about that part of the spectrum, if you will, that, that um, as we get more knowledgeable about the science of, of you know, the, all of the dimensions of, of our, our thinking and our wellness, how are we going to, you know, capitalize upon that diversity and for some people that diversity is a black box that they don't want to open but i would simply say that's already there you know the black box is there and humans have been living and working that way and we would be foolish not to you know uh, enable the, the the positive aspects of that diversity what are your thoughts on that yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's when some of the leading companies that I have studied that have done something about including neurodiversity, uh, the spectrum of, of well-being that we are on, um, have, I'm not saying that they haven't done it because they, they, um, they're companies that want their, their employees to be well, but they have done it because they realize that it is closely also related to innovation. As you said, it's yeah. closely related to bringing your authentic self to work, which makes you more engaged, which makes you more productive. Um, uh, because one of the, if you're not supported in your, in your well-being by your company, I mean, disengagement is one of the, the first consequences of that. So true. So true. So we're coming up to the final minutes of our session. And I just wanted to sort of ask if you have any sort of final thoughts and there's nothing final about this, but in terms of takeaways for anyone who might be listening right now. I would have, I would say a beginning, a starting point besides taking mm -hmm. care of yourself is mm -hmm. the language, having a certain, um, what I call mental health literacy, the ability for people to be able to talk about how they feel in a safe mm. environment at work. Mm -mm -mm. And that usually starts from the top down. I mean, we know that as you climb the ladder that your job becomes more stressful and that mm -hmm. you know, our executives too have mental health problems. And so um, when they can be transparent and open about that and, and show then it cascades down in the organization so but um i mean i'll go into detail in much more uh, when we get to the webinar wonderful and I, I i look forward to that and i i think one of the things i'm i'm proud of in this project this version two is is a topic like this mental health i do not see i don't know about you fahad but i just do not see people going you know one level below the surface and these are the types of things that we should be talking about. You and I were talking about it. We're talking about, you know, the way we're observing the behavior of our community online. And some people are, are, are behaving in a way that's very inconsistent with previous behaviors. And, uh, and as you talked about, uh, Elizabeth, you know, in, in 
terms of silence too. People in your community have they have they fallen off of the radar? Is is there a responsibility to reach out to those people? So Fahad, um, any sort of final thoughts from your side? Uh, yeah, I would like to just to remind everyone that and uh, wherever you are listening to the podcast, our primary uh, platform is Anchor.fm slash HR Learn. And plus of that, uh, sorry, I'm just gonna cancel the the timer okay and at the same time we also have uh, the rrs feed embedded within our website uh, hrlearnin.com and i would like to uh, remind everyone that in case you guys if you have any uh, note or thoughts or recommendation or even questions you could also go to our primary uh, platform uh, you could also send us a voice so we could also share it with uh, dr klaus or we also can embed it in our uh, this episode so everyone could also hear your voice and share your thoughts together so um, yeah and also i would like to invite the community uh, or community that dr klaus uh, webinar is about mental health it's a very important topic i know we only touched the surface and i'm sure <laughs> in, in the webinar we will dig much more better so uh, please do that and uh, yeah over to you Brian. yeah that's so true thank thank you for that yeah, in closing, um, Professor Kals, we just want to thank you for your contributions to our HR Learn In and this topic and, and being such a, a, a supporter of what we're doing and just sharing your wisdom with the community because I, I just think whether it was COVID or otherwise, this is something that people in the people management HR space don't do enough of and we should be doing this more. So again, thank you for your contribution. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Very okay. Much. All right. With that, and uh, hope to see as many people on our Tuesday learning session with Professor Kals's presentation. Until then, good night from Dubai.